Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Good morning. Today is the day the Lord has made. This is the second hour of Mornings with Carmen on this Monday, October the 14th, 2019. Uh, I, I feel I feel good about asking now, where in the Word have you been today? We need to be in the Word of God before we seek to go out into the world that God so loves as His ambassadors, as agents of His grace, as ministers of the gospel. And so where in the Word are you today? Uh, I'm in Acts chapter 2, and I am reminded, uh, I was reminded in in just an excellent sermon that I I heard yesterday, uh, preached it at the church that I am a part of, um, just reminded that we all stand before God as individuals, right? We all, we all come to that place. We each, I should say it this way, we each come to the place where we have to answer the uh, answer the question. You know, who do you say? Who do you say that Jesus is? And if, if you get to the place where you say, you know, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the Living God, um, you know that is a that is a proclamation, declaration, uh, uh, an awakening reality, a confession of faith that is that it's individual, and that each individual um, either makes or does not make before the throne of God. And that's a one-on-one deal uh, between you and the Father. But as soon as we as individuals standing alone to, to really confess, um, once we have said, uh, we, once we have confessed with our mouths and believe in our hearts, right, that Jesus Christ is Lord, we suddenly, instantly become a part of a community of believers from all times and all places. We call it the church. But it's a family of faith that is genuinely universal and eternal. And so we're never alone again. And that is really the spirit of, uh, of Acts chapter 2, where it talks about the believers coming together and not only, uh, you know, uh, submitting themselves to the kerygma, right? Like really seeking to understand together uh, the fullness of the gospel and its implications for every part of life, but then doing life together. Uh, and Bonhoeffer's Life Together would be a book I would recommend uh, on that subject. And so I just want to be mindful of being in the Word of God before we set out into the world that he so loves, uh, as people who not only bear his name, but witness in full testimony to the goodness and the beauty and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So up next, I'm going to be talking with Dr. Linda Mental. She and I are going to focus our conversation this time on her new book, Living Beyond Pain, A Holistic Approach to manage pain and get your life back. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Song, 
Joining me now, Dr. Linda Mental. You know her from the Dr. Linda Mental Show here on the Faith Radio Network. You also uh, can find her online uh, at Dr. Linda Mental. Um, Linda, we are going to talk today about your new book, and I am really, uh, I'm excited to have this conversation. So welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, and I'm excited to have this book coming out tomorrow. Um, There are 100 million people in the United States, Carmen, who suffer from chronic pain, and 1.5 billion worldwide. So we've got a lot of people who are struggling and suffering and need some help with uh, dealing with chronic pain. Okay, and let's differentiate chronic pain from um, maybe the acute, acute the acute pain that I might experience in a moment, or um, or as the result of something episodic. Yeah, so acute pain is usually when you injure yourself or you have some type of nerve pain or inflammation, and it typically goes away within about a anywhere from a week or a couple of days to three to six months, and usually about three months, maybe sometimes six months, depending on how, how deep the, the tissue damage might be. But chronic pain is something then that lingers way beyond that period of time. So it goes after that three to six month period, and it continues even though there might be, there is tissue healing and there, your body is not having the same type of response that it did. So the healing is happening, but the pain response lingers. And that's why it's so difficult. And there's a physical reason for that. And that's part of the message I really want people to understand that people who are in chronic pain are not making it up. They're not imagining it in their head. It really is a physiological process that happens in the body when pain continues long after the healing has occurred. So Linda, we actually know um, that there are a lot of people listening right now who live with chronic pain. And one of the things that I really appreciate about the book is like you are you are really helping people see how they can live with chronic pain and not just live under it or um you know feel as if they are just constantly subjected to it. And so that's it's very hopeful. It's a um it's a book that is uh that seems designed to not only help me understand chronic pain um but but to help me learn how to manage it um, holistically. Right. And and one of the reasons that we did this is because, you know, we've been talking for a couple of years now about the opioid crisis and mm-hmm. how um, we've been trying to get a better handle on that. And prescribers are not over prescribing like they used to. Um, there's more attention to this. And there are a number of people that are on opioids for chronic pain. And yet we know that, um, except for the exception is cancer pain, but other than that, opioids don't typically work very well to help people with chronic pain. And it's a very difficult um, time to be on an opioid because it clouds your thinking and it makes you a little bit slower and it it, it isn't really a solution to help people. Now, that doesn't mean that anybody, everybody who's on an opioid is an addict. We don't want to give that message at all. And there are times when it's appropriate it's being monitored effectively and people are are getting help from it. But the majority of people with non-cancer chronic pain, uh, opioids are not effective. And so 
the goal is to help a person improve their functioning, get the quality of their life back, be able to do things that they were not able to do before. And so we decided we were going to address that problem. And we wrote a book then. I wrote it with a physician friend of mine who's a colleague, Dr. James Cribbs, who's a pain specialist and a doctor of osteopathic medicine. And so we looked at everything from something that people may not be familiar with, osteopathic manipulative treatment, to all kinds of other treatments that are effective with people with chronic pain. And we wanted to offer people a lot of help so that they could see that there's hope, there's healing, and their lives can be drastically improved. I'm talking with Dr. Linda Mental, and we are talking about her new book, Living Beyond Pain, A Holistic Approach to Manage Pain and Get Your Life Back, which she co-authored with James Cribbs. Um, Linda, uh, you, you've touched on opioids, and, and we've acknowledged that, you know, there are times that it's appropriate um, to have opioids prescribed and to use them, but addiction is a real issue. Um, you, you, you talk about a post-opioid era for treating pain. Describe to me what a post-opioid era would look like. Might well, it's, look like. It, yeah, it's simply looking at the other uh, things that are going on in a person's life that really influence chronic pain. So this is a holistic approach, as you talked about. It's not just a matter of taking a pill, which is, again, not very effective with chronic pain. So we're looking at how can we look at a person holistically? We're looking at their lifestyle, everything from do they drink alcohol? Are they on an anti-inflammatory diet? Um, and then all kinds of psychological ways that you can also improve by looking at your thoughts, your beliefs, your emotions. There are particular um, things that happen with people in chronic pain because you're getting up every day, you don't feel well, the pain is very much on your mind, it can be debilitating if you do the wrong things. And so there are a number of things that people do without knowing. I actually had this happen to me when I was having a problem with my back. And I was now that I've written this book, I realized, oh my gosh, I was doing all the things that were wrong, that were actually amplifying my pain rather than turning my pain down. So we really wanted to look at what are the things that are in your control that you can begin to change that can turn down the volume on that chronic pain. I think volume is such a good word there. Um, when, we, when we come back from the break, uh, I want to talk about some of the lifestyle changes that people can make um, to improve their pain and live a more functional life. So that conversation up next with Dr. Linda Mental. You can check out this book at drlindamental.com. It is Living Beyond Pain. We'll be right back. Returning to my conversation with Dr. Linda Mental. Again, you can find her and this book at drlindamental.com. She's also the host of the Dr. Linda Mental Show here on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, we are talking today about her newest book, Living Beyond Pain, A Holistic Approach to Manage Pain and Get Your Life Back. She co-authored it with Dr. James Cribbs. Um, Linda, what are some of the lifestyle changes that people can make to, uh, you know, like feed wellness instead of feeding pain? So one of, one of the ones that is kind of counterintuitive is actually exercise and movement. And people who are in chronic pain are always afraid that if they move too much or they exercise, that they're going to exacerbate problems and make them worse. When actually the, the data shows that any type of movement, again, it may have to be physically supervised by a, a doctor or an exercise physiologist or someone, depending on the type of injury, but it really is 
one of the things that will bring a person into much better health. Uh, I had this happen to me, Garmin. I had a, a back injury. It was pretty significant. I had to have surgery. And as I was recouping, the only thing that started making me feel better was I gradually and slowly began to move. I engaged in a, a Pilates program, again, under the supervision of my doctor. But that is what strengthened my core and brought me back into way better health. Um, so exercise, getting people up, getting them moving is probably the number one thing I would say. The number two thing is sleep. And people don't always think about the, the relationship between sleep in their body. But when you don't get sleep, your pain actually increases. And so many people that are in chronic pain have a difficult time sleeping. So one of the things that we always ask people to do is check out your sleep problems with your physician, make sure you don't have sleep apnea or some other sleep condition that's causing that problem. Then there's a lot you can do with sleep hygiene by by turning down the temperature in your room, getting comfortable pillows, mattresses, a way to position your body, dark lights, tearing off your phone, not watching TV, all the things that kind of wake up the body and make sleep difficult. The one I mentioned before, an anti-inflammatory diet, that is really a big help. There are certain uh, foods that you can eat, more proteins rather than high carbs, actually help the body turn down that inflammation and inflammation and pain are highly connected. And then I think another one that people don't think about, if you're a smoker, you have more pain receptors in your body than the person who doesn't smoke. And smoking actually increases pain, as does um, alcohol. Alcohol doesn't help. Now, people a lot of times will, will drink as a way to sort of cover the pain. But the problem is that leads to tolerance, addiction, and it doesn't solve the pain problem. It medicates you for a moment, but it doesn't solve the problem. One of the things people need to think about is what is the root of that pain? Because if it's structural, then this osteopathic manual manipulation is really a help. And if you know anybody who's a doctor of osteopathy, an osteopathic medicine doctor, look for those people because they can do amazing things using their hands to change the structure and to really make your body function so much better. Um, all right. So, Linda, you have you've really described um, pretty much a healthy lifestyle, uh, exercise, strength training, sleep, diet, don't smoke and drink. Um, uh, I would I would my casual interpretation of the last one is get a good massage on a regular basis. I realize that that is not what you're talking about. Um, but um, uh, uh, but we are talking about. It can help. Right. <laughs> right. And so, um, I mean, but we are talking about uh, pressure points and we're talking about the manipulation not only right. of uh, uh, of bones, but we're talking about um, the, the release of tension and stress from muscles. Right. And so um, uh, all of that sounds like a good, healthy lifestyle. And then you have this whole section of the book. Um, I mean, like chapters on change your beliefs and change your pain, change your thoughts, change your pain, change your emotions, change your pain, change your relationships, change your pain, change your stress, change your pain. I mean, right. all of these, right? All of these are sort of in the soft category of what I would describe. These are not, um, uh, these are not what I would think of in terms of, okay, I can change my diet. I can change my uh, you know, my sleep and I can get it on an exercise program and I can stop doing things that I know are destructive to to my body. These are all in sort of the soft social categories. Talk about that. Well, it, they're, they're equally important and maybe even more important because pain is a perception that's in your brain. 
So it's very complicated from an anatomy point of view, but there are ascending, descending pathways. And there are these little gates that open that signal pain to the brain. And there are certain things that will modulate that pain up to the brain and make your pain actually worse. So all of the psychological approaches in working with pain are extremely, extremely important because that you have to change the perception of pain in your brain and rewire your brain. And the way you do that is looking at your beliefs, because if your beliefs are very negative and you think you're going to be disabled or you think that God is not, it doesn't care about you and is punishing you, you have some of these negative beliefs, it's going to actually turn up the volume on your pain and make your pain worse. The same is true of thoughts, particularly in, in pain patients, we see a lot of what we call catastrophizing. Oh, I couldn't throw the ball today. Okay, that means I'm never going to throw the ball today. I'm never going to be able to do what I need to do to be with my grandchild or my kid or something like that. Those catastrophic or ruminating thoughts about how bad the pain feels actually makes pain worse. If you give attention to pain and you focus on it, Rather than distract yourself away from the pain, you're going to make pain worse. If you have pain conversations with your friends and you're constantly talking about the pain, you're going to make the pain worse. And out of chronic pain, a lot of people struggle with depression, anxiety, they feel angry, they have a lot of negative emotions. And if you can't manage those emotions and regulate those emotions and deal better with those emotions, you're upping the volume on your pain. And then stress, which is the big, big category, just amps up the body, puts you in a fight or flight and freeze kind of position, which tenses your body, releases the negative hormones, and it makes your pain actually worse. So part of the work is, yes, doing the things for your physical body, but the psychological component of pain, pain is in your brain. Without your brain, you would have no pain. We like to, I like to tease and say, the bane of pain is plainly in the brain because that's where it is. So you have to change your, your central nervous system, which includes your brain. So it all people with chronic pain have this very sensitized nervous system that is like on high alert and hypervigilance and they feel pain easily. And all the things I'm talking about, you have to, you have to turn down that volume and then calm down your nervous system and rewire the brain so that structures in the brain actually change when you're doing that psychological work. Okay. And then I really, I think chapter 15 is super interesting. I think that for those of us who are not living at this point in our lives with chronic pain, we are living with people who are living with chronic pain. We are in relationship to people who are in chronic pain. Talk about the effect that chronic pain happens uh, that that chronic pain has on our relationships, because I think those who are living in chronic pain do not understand how their chronic pain affects the rest of us. Yeah, and it's it's a very powerless position to be in when you're living with someone who has chronic pain, because you want to help them and you want to make it better, and you really can't in a lot of ways. They have to do this work that I'm talking about, along with your support. The more you focus on the pain and the more a partner does things for the person in pain, Carmen, the more likely they're going to increase the person's disability. And even, like I said, constant conversation about pain will increase pain. So here's an example. If you get up in the morning and you say to the person in pain, how's your pain today? How are you doing? You're actually giving attention to that pain as the person focuses on it, the pain will get worse. But if you say, hey, how's your day going today? 
what things were great about your day today. You're shifting the focus away and you're actually helping that person feel better, which sounds like such a simple thing, but it really, really makes a difference. And then the other thing is that you have to be very supportive of someone in pain because a lot of times when the pain gets really bad for the moment, they might cancel on you. They might um, you know, say they can't make it. And a lot of times people get angry when that happens, but you need to understand that if they're trying to do the best they can and they're working all these things that we've been talking about and they just can't make it that day, don't take it personally. Rather encourage that person not to criticize the person, but just to say, okay, I get it. We'll be supportive. We'll invite you again. Don't worry. A chance to socialize or to do something will come around again. And then it really does affect intimacy with with, with partners um, so you really have to have conversations about the pain and talk about what's really happening in ways that you can reduce it. And I don't want to get too graphic with that on the radio, but there's yeah, sure. information in the book about that as well. So the the way that the way this works is that you want to be supportive, but not enabling, not doing for a person and gently pushing them, but also being encouraging and um, having them work on their pace as long as they're moving forward. All right, Linda, you and I have to leave it right there. The book is Living Beyond Pain, A Holistic Approach to Manage Pain and Get Your Life Back. Uh, You can find it at drlindamental.com. And starting tomorrow, everywhere books are sold. Thank you so much. Thanks. We'll be right back. Okay, so Dr. David Aikman is uh, waiting in the wings. He and I are going to, again, survey what is happening uh, in northeastern Syria. We're also going to talk about the deployment of U.S. troops to Saudi Arabia in response uh, to the ongoing tensions uh, with Iran. Um, And I don't know, we might also talk Nobel Peace Prizes. In fact, we definitely will. Oh, and probably a Brexit update. That's all next here on Mornings with Carmen. Here's a trick question. Would you rather go for a ride on a carousel or a roller coaster? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Okay, carousels have their redeeming features. They're calm and pleasant, if not a little boring. But to me, a roller coaster ride is so much better. One second, you're right side up. The next second, you're hanging on for dear life, screaming at the top of your lungs. Kind of like parenting, isn't it? Hey, raising teens can be unpredictable, heart-stopping, and terrifying at times. But in the end, you'll realize it wasn't so bad even with all the ups and downs and twists and turns. So don't be surprised when the ride gets a little crazy. And by all means, don't check out. Mom, Dad, stay with it. You'll be glad you did. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Check out his latest resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. My name is Bond, James Bond. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. I am delighted to have David Aikman, editor of Godspeed Magazine, back with us today. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Carmen. Very nice to hear your voice. Well, it's always delightful to talk with you. We have some very serious um, headlines to consider this morning, um, although I do want to be sure that we uh, that we get to the conversation about the Nobel Peace Prize, so don't let me forget that that's where we're headed. But let's start with the... Um, With the situation in northeastern Syria, Um, we have talked um, 
We have talked already at the opening uh, of the show, just bringing people up up to date a little bit on what is happening. But you may know more than I do because it is so much later in the day where you are. So why don't you bring us an update on the latest in terms of what's happening in northeastern Syria? Well, first of all, the invasion by the Turks is going ahead. They want to carve out um, a sort of special zone that they can keep free from any possible threats to their own territory, including the Kurds. They, they want the Kurds out of that zone. And because the Americans left and refused to give support to the Kurds under attack, the Kurds in turn have, ret- have turned to the regime of Bashar Assad of Syria, who is supported by the Russians, And they now have an agreement to enter the areas that the Americans are no longer willing to look after and provide a new backstop for the Kurdish rebels on the border. So this will certainly even out the situation in relation to the Kurds and the Turkish attack upon them. Um, It's my understanding that as the Syrians uh, are officially now getting involved, the actual um, the forces of Bashar al-Assad uh, will now be moving north and the Turkish forces moving south. Um, boy, you would not want to be people in the middle. That's right, yes. I mean, this is setting itself up as a, a serious clash between two countries that are mutually suspicious of each other and have been for years. So... Not a good place to be. Okay, so. let's let's talk about the Russian involvement in all of this. Um, I will admit to you that uh, I was under the impression that the Russians were were actively engaged in in the Syrian conflict um, in ways that are pretty complex. Does it surprise you that the Russians are up in the mix in terms of? Um, the support of Bashar al-Assad in opposition to Erdogan, who, to whom they are supplying with weapons. Like, uh, is Russia on both sides of the uh, both sides of the equation here? Well, in one sense, it is. Russia has supplied the latest in um, Russian anti-aircraft uh, missiles to the Turks, and here they are propping up the Syrian regime and ensuring that the Syrian regime is stronger against Turkish invasion than it would otherwise have been. So they certainly seem to be playing both sides of the game. Okay, and then um, let's take uh, uh, a brief pivot here, um, same region. Let's focus some attention on what is happening uh, in, in the, I don't even know, conflict, is this the right word? Um, between Iran and Saudi Arabia. So even as the United States is withdrawing all of its forces now um, from this region of Syria, we are actively now deploying a couple of thousand troops to Saudi Arabia um, as tensions continue to rise with Iran. So tell us what's going on there. Well, as you remember, when the um, Iranians, or at least when an Iranian drone, a guided missile, hit uh, an important Saudi oil refinery a few weeks ago, 
it cut out of operation 50% of the Saudi oil production. And the Americans didn't respond to that uh, at the time, but they have recently decided to beef up their presence in Saudi Arabia. So the Saudis really need protection against the Iranians. And as if to make the matter even more confusing, confusing, an Iranian tanker was actually attacked by a missile of some sort or other a few days ago, uh, not far from, from Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. So it's, the whole situation is becoming very complicated and very unpredictable. All right, and I'm just going to take a minute here, David, to remind our listeners that when we're talking about this part of the world, we are talking about uh, a predominantly Muslim-dominated set of countries. However, they they are not monolithically um, the same in terms of their perspective on Islam. And so we just need to remind ourselves that when we're talking about Saudi Arabia and Egypt and Syria and Turkey, we're talking about one variety of Islam, and that is Sunni Islam. And when we're talking about Iran um, and Lebanon, I suppose, and maybe, I don't know, Iraq seems to be sort of trapped in the middle, um, we're talking about uh, Shia-majority Islam. And so— I mean, ultimately, in this region, when we are talking about conflict, we're not really talking about conflict between Christians because Christians are such a minority population in this part of the world. Um, We're talking about uh, what I would consider kind of internecine fighting between people of one um, religious conviction related to Islam and people who have a differing set of convictions related to Islam. That's right. It's a Muslim civil war between the Sunni majority and the 15% Shia minority. And, of course, the Shia are championed by Iran, which has been an entirely Shia state for centuries. And they are the biggest obstacle obstacle to Sunni dominance of the Middle East in its Islamic war. All right, and they are the exporters of that ideology, and then they fund people to fight Sunnis um, who disagree with them. That's I mean, right. I think that's just one one way of understanding it. All right, you and I have to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I would love to talk uh, Nobel Peace Prize. So that's up next here with uh, okay. David Aikman, editor of Godspeed Magazine. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. In the eye of the Continuing my conversation with Dr. David Aikman, editor of Godspeed Magazine. David, let's do a little good news. Um, let's uh, let's visit the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, who? Well, there's a few that we could celebrate, but let's talk about Ethiopia's evangelical prime minister. Yes, Abiy Ahmed um, got the prize for his achievements in basically negotiating a rapprochement between Ethiopia and its often hostile neighbor, Eritrea, and also for substantially improving the political and economic 
rights of his own country, releasing thousands of prisoners from, from jail, freeing up the opposition and so forth. He's really an, an extraordinary man of great conviction in an area which lacks strength and courage and honesty in, in a big way. So it's a, and he's a very devout Christian. That's the most important part of it. And I think he definitely deserves this um, in spades. An amazing thing. You know, it's it's lovely when we can turn to a part of a, of the world where, you know, there have certainly been times when we have not thought of Ethiopia as, um, you know, as a place in the world that we would want to lift up as an example of um, peace and a growing prosperity and a reinvestment right. in um, in the land in such a way that it will be a flourishing uh, place again. But that's really what's going on in Ethiopia. It's really there's a there's a bright um, hope-filled future on the horizon. It's really encouraging. Yes, it is. I mean, uh, we're seeing this more and more, particularly in other countries in Africa. Um, I did an interview for Godspeed with an amazing uh, witness to somebody who had prophesied that the vice president of um, of Nigeria would face a possible death in a helicopter crash, and yet he would survive. Well, that prophecy came true. The man was involved in a helicopter crash, and he miraculously survived along with the whole crew. And that's a wonderful testimony of God's sovereign protection of people who really submit to him, even if they're in senior leadership positions. So I remember um, a story that I read, um, gosh, it it is in the middle of the summer, Um, and I know that we talked about it here. Uh, You and I did not talk about it, but I talked about it here on the program um, uh, in relationship to a book called Reforesting, um, was it called Reforesting Faith? Yeah, Reforesting Faith by Matthew Sleeth. And um, Ethiopia planted more than 350 million trees in 12 hours uh, on the last day of July. And, you know, this is their effort to reforest their uh, their nation, and, and the whole effort was spearheaded by their prime minister. And so I think that when we think about creation care, when we think about the ways in which we are reinvesting uh, into the creation that God has given us to be, you know, shepherds and gardeners of— this guy is really inspiring, and so just really thrilled yes. to be celebrating that today. Okay, David, bring yes. us up to date on Brexit. What's happening? Ah, well, if I could bring you up to date, I'd have to be a fly on the <laughs> on the rim of uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson's glasses. Well, what's basically happening is that the the European Union is has given said it will give three or four days to look over the latest proposals by Prime Minister Johnson to exit the EU without um, spoiling the whole backstop arrangement of a borderless access from Northern Ireland to, to the Irish Republic. And there's been a lot of sort of skeptical uh, comments by EU officials on this whole project. But Johnson apparently acquired quite a good relationship with the Irish Taoiseach, the Prime Minister, when he met him in in a country house in England a few days ago. 
And there were very positive noises coming out of that meeting. So in some sense, there's obviously progress being made in whatever the terms are of the of the deal that's going to be made. But it's much too soon to say for sure whether the EU leaders will approve the arrangement or not. Most of the people are a little bit negative, but uh, who knows what could happen at the last minute. Okay, uh, I understand that uh, the Queen's speech has, in fact, taken place, and so Parliament is now reopened, and we will all uh, we will all watch with curiosity from across the pond. And Parliament is going to be open Saturday, which oh. has not happened. Britain was at war with the Falklands in 1982, so it's a very special occasion. Interesting. Okay. See, see all the goodies that we get from you that we would otherwise have no idea were happening. Ah, ah. Well, I hope it's going to be good news that Parliament is open because whatever agreement is made with the EU, it has to be approved by the British Parliament. Well, uh, certainly in our prayers, we're praying the news, and we are delighted that you uh, come and share with us your perspective. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Aikman. Thanks very much, Tom, and like to be on your show. Oh, it's a pleasure. All right, friends, we'll be right back. Okay, I want to have uh, two quick conversations before before we go today. First of all, um, if you were going to win a peace prize, um, what would it be for? And so I want you to consider where you're sowing peace today. Like, right? I mean, you know, they're doling out Nobel Peace Prizes. And so you and I should be thinking, hmm, all right, I'm a peacemaker. I'm I'm deployed uh, as one who belongs to the Prince of Peace, right? Like I'm in, I'm on his mission in the world. So if I am on the mission of the Prince of Peace, I ought to be sowing peace. So where and how am I sowing peace in such a way that hmm, I might be eligible to win a peace prize? All right, so you can be thinking about that today. And then the other uh, consideration and conversation uh, that I just want to have very quickly, and that's about uh, the, these marathon records that have been broken. And it's because uh, there are two new world records for both men and women in the marathon. One was set yesterday at the Chicago Marathon, where the fastest time for uh, for women is now 2 hours and 14 minutes and 4 seconds, set by Kenya's Brigid uh, Kojji. And on Saturday, we already mentioned that in Vienna, Austria, Kenyan Iliud Kepchungi uh, achieved the once unimaginable feat of running the marathon in under two hours. So his time, 159.40.2. Here's what I want to bring into conversation on that. Every single one of us is in this race. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Since we are surrounded by such great a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him who endured such great opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Friends, Christian discipleship is not a sprint. It is a marathon. Let us run it with perseverance today and let us finish well. Let us finish well, no matter how long it takes. So that's my encouragement uh, to each and every one of us today as we enter into this new week. Uh, it is uh, it is Columbus Day. It's also Native People's Day. 
Uh, there's all kinds of things today to celebrate, and I will give a personal shout-out to Matthew. Matthew, happy 14th birthday. All right, everybody, have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.